This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. This is where I think a lot of people lose steam. We give a lot of correction. Many people do not give anyone correction. That person should be getting feedback as they do their job. Right. And that's how they know you care. I would say the main thing that differentiates us is just we have to have another layer of communication. There's this web of communication that we have to have. And, and understanding that you have to have that comes from failing mm -hmm. a million times beforehand. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. We have another great episode today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, per usual, Jason McCutcheon in the house. What's up, dude? Excited about today's topic. Yeah? Because, you know, one of the things I, I you know, I remember we talked to Craig Adams and he always said like proof of work, right? You got to show people. Don't just tell people, show people. And it's something like I've always thought through with our podcast and also like our business. It's one of the things like I'm weirdly insecure about Jared is the fact that we have a studio. Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, it feels really good sitting in our uh, new studio. Uh, does I feel think, good. Uh, so right now we're actually surrounded by all of our new lights and the whole thing is coming together. My dad is in the other room as we speak, uh, mm. creating the backdrop that's going to go over here eventually right now it's just this black wall uh but um we are kind of creating making and uh it's gonna feel good when it's done 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 uh but overall it does feel good to i be mean everybody's moved in, the in. Studio. yeah everyone's moved all in. working the equipment closet is 75 percent there i still probably have days to to get everything organized and literally thousands of cords <laughs> next door uh to go through but um overall feeling very good uh but i think you're right um you know, it's always been a weird topic talking about the fact that we are a studio. Uh, well, and just even like when you talk about wedding filmmaking in general, and like you know that mo your context is really different than right. a lot of other people's. And like... It's hard to be relatable. Well, and also like <laughs> you know that the average person doesn't have a favorable view of studios. Right, right. Because the average person is going to say like, well, if you have multiple people working on a project then it has to lower the quality right yes it's gonna be because no one really cares there's a lack of like the same type of motivation as opposed to the artiste that's gonna be there from the beginning to end the person that's you know talk to people on the phone all the way to the end of like delivering the DVDs or whatever um, and I don't know like coming from the world of production like a little bit about my background I don't think we've really talked about this much but like I came from the background of, well, first of all, Jason was my uh, media school teacher in high school way back in the day. <laughs> but mm. after that, going to um, uh, media school um, and learning production and then getting a job as the director of photography of a um, production house after uh, working there for a little bit, um, I was shooting like music videos, documentaries, like, and it was always team work make the dream work. It was always... There were editors, there were shooters, there were ACs, there were DPs, there were, you know, all the producer, director, there were all these roles. Um, and then moving into the wedding films where, you know, people really just had one role, which was a million different roles, and they were just working by themselves. It was a weird transition for me. And I really, I couldn't really grasp 
why, but it does make sense when you're just the one making all the money and um, you know, people probably aren't making enough money to be able to spread the wealth, right? Like that's the real reason why people don't kind of specialize in the yes. wedding industry, right? It's like, they're just not making enough money. And then when they are making enough money, they don't want to share it. <laughs> so it is a different type of approach, but for us, I think there are a lot of, of reasons why, and we're going to go through a little bit of that today. So if you are interested in, you know, creating a studio, making something like, or just knowing what goes into it. Cause right. You know, for us, it's just like a little peek behind the curtain of how we operate on a right. week to week basis. And you know, some of it is just necessity. Some of it is our decision that, you know, our values, but a lot of it is just like how you got to operate to survive. <laughs> yeah. So, so why don't we kind of, you know, we're, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of walk you through, um, why, what is a studio? Um, and why we chose to go this direction, kind of maybe a little bit of a peek in what a week is like. We'll look at this week and we'll talk a little bit about how we're operating. Um, and then I think we want to talk about a th something that is really important to us, which is like, and I feel like no matter what you're doing, by the way, Jared, this is relevant, which is how do you keep quality doing as you do more and more films? Right. right. How, do you, how do you make sure that they represent you in a way that you're proud? We personally, like, we never kick a film out the door that isn't something we're proud of. And and I, I feel confident about this. Like, I feel like I could give you access to our, we don't release every film just like no one does. Right. Um, but I, I feel like I could give you access to our entire portfolio and let you look at any film. And I promise you, there's none of these films out there that are just like these terrible films that don't represent me. Mm -hmm. Because for us, like the planners we're working with, the venues we're working with, they know. They see our best work and they expect that work every time. That's why they book us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we thought we might want to talk a little bit about how do you maintain quality as you're scaling and some of the things we do to maintain quality with our team, um, with our contractors, even with ourselves, like staying motivated and actually giving a crap. Because I think it'd be easy to be like, yeah, I'm not shooting this weekend, which is not very often for me and Jared, but... I'm not shooting and I'm just sitting there collecting money and watching these people do stuff for me and March, March, go all you lemmings, make me money. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not how we operate. We're not, we wouldn't be happy with that business. Yeah. So why don't we start? Let, let, like you said, let's, let's dive right into, into just like basically what is a studio? So what yes. are some, some, um, fundamentals that you think kind of constitutes like what is a ceremony or what is a, uh, a studio versus what is, you know, a boutique kind of agency? Well, so I think we can just make this up. It's our podcast. We can say whatever we want. So this is the be all end all definition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not like we found this in a dictionary, but we were talking through like, how do we define a studio? Like, and you know, before we define that, I was going to say, I don't define like what a lot of people associate with a studio as a studio this definition i feel like excludes some of those places um that maybe are just functioning like you'll probably mention later booking agencies basically they just book people hire random contractors and random editor contractors they never touch it so for me what a studio is is they have multiple people involved that aren't related probably typically like i don't think you're a studio just because if you and your wife or you and your husband make films together um you could just be, you know, artists and, but, you know, I think probably minimum three people. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest de determiner is um, you're booking multiple weddings in a day consistently as a like 
practice. Yeah. And then I also... Because if it was just two of you, you're probably not going to be doing two weddings in a single day. You're probably going to be teaming up and doing... Maybe in a pinch a you do. wedding. But yeah, together. And maybe yeah. you have associates from time to time. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, COVID wedding. I have to reschedule. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying like, this is our business model. We book multiple weddings in a day. That's mm-hmm. our practice. And then I also think multiple roles within the studio. Like, you know, there are people who specialize in certain things. Um, maybe they could do other things, but at least in terms of their day-to-day jobs. And I think one little like side wrinkle with studios is um, typically studios tend to have business hours. Like, like you're open at this time, you close at this time, right? You have to provide a, a physical location sure. um, that isn't your bedroom, something that someone who isn't related to you could walk into and not be like, oh, you're naked. Like, <laughs> like, like that's kind of what we're talking about is you, it's like, it's a workplace, mm-hmm. you know, and you make content for us. The other wrinkle for our studio definition is you actually make something like you have, like you make the product, mm-hmm. like they shoot the product, you edit the product. Doesn't mean you do every single one, but in general, you're not just outsourcing every single part of the creation of your film to mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah, and that, and that's probably the chief dish differentiator between what we would consider like a studio, which is like I, I'm with you. Like I think a studio, when I hear that, it's like a place where pe- things are made, mm-hmm. where things are created. Usually, it's full of creatives, versus a, a person that might call themselves oh we're a studio when they're really like you said a booking agency when they're literally like sitting on their flat and like you know indo surfing in the morning getting up reading some emails and just booking i remember talking to booking a guy. editors and and just not having a single thing to do with what the end product looks like maybe they're like hey i have one editor and i'm just i like what they did and i just hired editors around them and made them the boss and they're the, the i just don't touch it i just book you know and that's a great business model. I, I bet, I'm not going to, I probably as a creative don't like it. Right. I don't but, either. Um, I wouldn't want to run that business, but I'm in not, terms I, of like I making money. It. I might like running it. It kind of depends, no. but I definitely don't think it's the same. Right. No matter like it, we could debate whether those should or shouldn't exist. And the only thing I always try to remind people when they're like George streets or the companies like that, you know, Copper NS- NST film, I mean, Copper Stallion, of yeah, course, yeah, NST, classic. Yeah. these companies that um, do kind of what we're describing mm-hmm. is I, I always want to remind people that's the first person that gave you an opportunity, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you might never have been able to f- be a wedding filmmaker if no one ever was willing to accept that you were terrible. Yeah. I would, you to do it. <laughs> a lot so. of those companies, by the way, a majority of their staff, which w- when you have a booking agency like that. Majority of their staff are just marketers. Marketing and sales. That's all Marketing they have Marketing and staff. sales. That's all their staff is. And and people You talk to the just, person who owns it and they don't know the first thing about editing no, or filming. They, it's like, yeah, if you when you're using this camera, they literally have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> they just got a, a, a bachelor's degree from, you know, uh, Rutgers and they're just like, Yeah, I have this business. And there's and a then, bunch of people And running. I have an, uh, three other businesses too. And, who, where is there a, un, an un- inactive workforce waiting yeah. for someone to give them a job? Yeah. It's yeah. like filmmakers. They're all sitting around. <laughs> they're like, Please give me a job. So, um, so regardless, we're not talking about that because we don't know how to run it. We've never run it. Yep. Um, we have, you can have any opinion you want about that. What we run is a real studio that creates product in house. And so, kind of, um, 
there's a lot of, I think, benefits to this. There's some downsides. I think the benefit is um, it lets you make more money. That's the biggest benefit. I think, you know, the benefits of culture, right, Jared? Like you're working with people. You're That's a lot of fun. And right. also I think it helps you be more creative. Right. I, I think um, touching on your first point, making more money. Uh, let, let's circle back on that because I, I like that topic. Um, I, I think a lot of people, you know, in the wedding industry, maybe you've been in the industry for a while and you're making money. Um, you're kind of at the climax of like what you can actually do in a lot of cases. Yeah, and, I had this conversation not even, with someone recently. And it's not even really your fault. Yeah. Um, it's the industry. Like there's only a certain number of people that are willing to book a wedding filmmaker for $5,000, for $7,000, for $10,000, for $20,000. There's a limited number there. And I don't care what anyone says. You, you're not going to convince someone who's like, yeah, I didn't even know how much this costs. We we're expecting to spend like two to three thousand dollars. You're not going to get that person to spend ten thousand dollars. I'm sorry. If you do, it's like you're kind of a psycho. You're, because you're like, catching the freaking white whale yeah. when you do that. Like, congratulations, you did it one time yeah. for one year. It's not sustainable. So that's like saying, like with a three point shooter, like do you know you could shoot that from the other side of the court though? Mm. One, this one guy did it. Yeah, this one guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, and, and so I think um, when we're talking about money, when we're talking about wanting to make more of it, I think the easiest way to do it, I, mean, I don't want to say easy because it's not easy, but the way that makes the, the most predictable, sense. Predictable, dependable. And scalable, Yes. right? Scalable is what we're talking about here, is, is running a studio. Um, and so that's one reason why, I, I don't know if we... I don't know. What what do you think? When we first started like having a studio, did we always intend to have a studio? What were what, what were what no were our way. thoughts when we first kind of started out? Well, probably in a sense, yes. Yeah. Like we always because we we really wanted to do a lot of commercial work mm -hmm. when we first started out. So so we always had hired people to help us. Yeah. On sets and things like that. Um, so for us, like having a couple people who would work with us consistently yeah. is always something we wanted. Yeah, I but think like we when we were when we were even just like picking the name Stop Go Love, like our first. We we definitely of wanted at least me and you to be able to do things. Yeah. apart, but I don't think we had any understanding of what we would have now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so I think it did make it easy not having it be like Jared and Jason Productions. Yeah, whatever. Like, I think in a sense, like it was part of the plan, but not this mm -hmm. like yeah. i remember having a conversation years ago we used to have another business partner and you know he had a certain things he wanted to invest in in our business and we were talking through and i remember all of us kind of like reaching a conclusion in a in a meeting that it was like well we kind of have done as much as we can really do like mm -hmm. we can't do any more weddings mm -hmm. and it was i think we were like a hundred yeah and I, like we're doing more, much more than double that now, mm -hmm. and, and and I was just wrong. But so I think what we are now, we mm -hmm. would have never conceived of. But it, I do think we always wanted to like have, based on our definition today, a studio. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think when we first had our first, essentially, an associate join the team, we were like, this could work. Like, maybe we could have him shoot his own, and you and I could shoot our own. We could do three in a day. Like we'll just maybe rent some equipment, lose some around the edges uh, in terms of money. But, but you know, I think it can work. 
And um, we just have to find the right people. Oh, man, finding the right people is going to be so hard to do. Like, we found this guy. I feel like it was, you know, a rare occurrence that we could actually find someone who's matches our values and, you know, we can train to be somewhat skilled. That one person has created like eight, though. Right, right. And out of that one person, we were able to be like, well, what were we really looking for with this person? Wow, he sent us another person who's actually really a nice person and has our values, too. Um Maybe we could train him. Oh, he likes to work hard. Wow, he's really impressing. And we're like, after like the second, third, fourth person, we're like, this is scalable. Like you can bring people on who can become a part of your team and have the same kind of vision. Um, Yeah, it's a classic slow hire, quick fire too. You start learning like who works and doesn't work. But yeah, Yeah. yeah, I feel like like pretty early on, we, if we didn't plan on what we have now, we, we did think like, wouldn't it be great if we could do X, like a lot more weddings? Yeah. That was pretty early on. Wouldn't it be great if we had more team and, mm-hmm. you know, all this? Like for us, it was just a matter of, well, how much demand actually is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we charge, back when we did 100 weddings, we charged like two grand less mm-hmm. than we do now at yeah. 240. Yeah. So it's like, we I wouldn't have ever imagined it. And I think it's like you raise prices and the demand increases. It's like Well, when people talk about this stuff, I'm always like, Hey, look, I know I'm not saying we're the best wedding filmmakers or we know everything nope. or whatever, but I do think we have the most data. We do have a lot of data. From soup no. to nuts, right? From no. sales to how to make people happy to boots on the ground shooting to editing to all the things. Cause we do everything. And I'm and I will say like if you think people need you to show up and do this to do a good job, you're wrong. And I have enough data to tell you, like, you can do a great job with other people. Clients will be happy. If you're wondering if you should consider going this direction, I mean, so so some of the negatives are why you might not want to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to talk a little bit about what goes into a week. And in the context of that, you'll see some of the things that are negative because it really comes down to, if you want to do what we do, you have to be organized. You have to be um, uncompromising in certain areas, but very compromising in other areas. And you really, really, really have to. Um, a lot of I was telling you when before this, like I was, the amount of things we just say we don't do that. Yeah, like we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. Like we were talking about, like could we ever make a film consistently as good as some of the best mm-hmm. out there? Um, and we're like, I don't know. Like we have to make a lot, we have to say no to a lot of things Mm -hmm. in order to do what we do. You have to like, for it to be quality, you have to be very focused on what you are trying to do. Well, And, and, and for us, the conversation that we probably have internally is like, if we wanted to raise our quality, that means we would be making less money. Like it, we would have to be like, hey, if we want this to be a higher quality, we're and gonna... it's even quality like subjective quality. Right. It's like... Right. Like w- instead of doing like three weddings in a single day, we could we would have to spend bring people into you know one wedding, so we can do less weddings on a one day. But then also maybe we're shooting for like three or four days with more people, and so it's just like well, it's something it's as simple as like when we think about our ceremony coverage, mm-hmm. we say. Okay, three cameras mm-hmm. because we think through we need eight kits that day. Yeah. That's an extra eight cameras if you did four cameras. Yeah. And in my perfect coverage, I'm doing five cameras. So that's an right. extra 16 cameras. Right. 
that we would have to do to cover it that way. Yep. It also means you need more people setting it up. You need more intentionality. There's more things that can go wrong. Like those are the negatives I think with the studio. If you, if you have a hard time, like either being creative with how you do your coverage or compromising anything, mm -hmm. it, it might be a struggle, but, um, I think most of it, mostly it's positive. So let's talk about a week. Sure. So this week, Jared, what are we doing? Uh, so this week, um, do we want to start from Monday when we drop our gear off or do we want to just talk sure. about what we're going to shoot? Sure. Um, yeah. So let's start with the weekend. Let's do it that way. And then we'll go into next week. Okay. Okay. Let's so do it that way. This upcoming weekend, uh, we have nine weddings. Um, we have three that have uh, rehearsal coverage the night so before. So they're multi-day. Multiple day. So at least two day. Um, and uh, two of them are three days. Uh, the weddings that we have here, I'll, I'll look at them right now. Where where are we? So we're based in New England. So we're in uh, Cape Cod, Plymouth, Mass, Connecticut, Newport, Rhode Island, Boston, Boylston, Mass, Cape Cod again, Providence, Rhode Island, Aspen, Colorado. Um, so you and I are going to Aspen. So we're taking off on Thursday. So that's our nine weddings all over New England, you know, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, and um, Colorado for that one. So between all those like how many gear how many, how many kits do we have in-house so that that's only five kits right there actually there'll be six kits because we're going to be using a sony kit for our we own wedding. five kits internally we own five kits for stop go love two for merriment so we can do seven in a day without we can do any seven rentals. in a day it's ideal um five stop go love two merriment um our merriment weddings we send out a more stripped down kit yep and if we go over that, that just means we have to rent gear, um, which we can go over that because we have the team to be able to do it. It's just a matter of how much gear you're do we losing have. margin. Yep. It? Yep. Um, so if we take more than that, we're, yeah, we're just losing margin, like you said, um, which is still probably worth it to us, especially if it's like a planner that loves us and we're, they're like, we're desperate. We have someone like they bailed out that we can be like, we can take it, you know, just to help you and we had a, a good report. a planner two weeks ago and yep. the couple didn't want to do it, but she's like, oh, and can you guys come on the 25th? I really want them to get video. Yeah. It was two weeks later. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, we can do that. And she's a planner that we really love. She's very high-ended locally speaking. Yep. Um, probably even nationally, I guess, in the yeah. sense of how much she charges. Um, and it's like, I'm going to say yes to that person. Yep. You know? Yep. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. So it, on the weekend, when we are doing weddings like this, there's going to be a lot of like transfer. Like we have weddings Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, there's going to be some transfer of gear from, you know, one shooter to the other. Um, sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, most of the times, probably not as much. Sometimes I, we have to work it out that way. Uh, nine weddings for us is very a reasonable weekend, actually. Like we've done recently, like 12 weddings in a weekend, uh, which is just insane. So me logistically, I'm organizing a lot of that ahead of time. Like Monday, I'm going through like, okay, this is our roadmap for the week. And I'm texting the whole team, like, Hey, assistant, when you come back from this wedding, drop off the get, kit at the office. You're going to charge batteries overnight. So the next day, the lead shooter can show up and they're fully charged, ready to go kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot of organization there. Um, or literally something like sending an extra set of batteries right, in a separate case. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Like a, a battery kit that is already pre-charged that, you know, the lead shooter is, is going into the Separate set of cards. Separate set of cards, the whole deal. Um, so... Uh, the weekend is fairly organized. The gear all comes back on Monday, Monday morning, nine o'clock. Um, and we are just 
organ taking all the kits out of a pelican kit putting it into an organized storage bin what are those things called those things are awesome Oh, I, should, I wish we they were my sponsor. On I know. Channel. They're awesome. I like, think Sidious – no, uh, I, someday we'll talk about them. But <laughs> they're these great cases, and each 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 case holds an entire weekend's right. kit. So so three cameras, three lenses, like our hold fast, all the audio kits, all the gear. So yeah. it's just we put it all in there, and, and um, we actually um, just got a piece of software check room, which – is another project that I have going on, um, which essentially allows us to check everything in, um, check everything out and make sure like, hey, if something's broken, it's getting pulled out of the kit. I can see it on a spreadsheet like, hey, this needs to be worked on. We're down one kit. So this next weekend we have to rent. It just allows me a little bit of like an equipment roadmap. Um, so all that equipment comes in, it gets organized. All the um, uh, cards are getting um, uh, uh dumped and and uploaded Jared, onto the cloud ingested ingested sorry we have the ingest station <laughs> we actually no like this is one important thing i always people are like what do you do about your cards i'm like we just buy lots and lots of them because we uh -huh. don't want anyone yeah. who's not on staff touching cards yeah we want them to take it right from the camera and like it's like a one move like yeah straight from the camera straight into the card holder yep like i i would I would never want someone ingesting footage. So we have an entire computer in our office exclusively for yep. ingesting uh, like Monday morning, is. Travis or Victoria is just doing all the ingest. It so probably the takes only person touching cards. Yep. 10 hours or eight, eight to 10 hours to ingest all our weddings. Yep. From yep. A they're working on it all day while they're in between projects and they're, they're with just one person though. Um, so cards go there. Batteries are getting on the charger Monday. Um, we're putting together the next weekend's plan on Monday. So, hey, this is who's getting what kit. Um, I actually have all of our kits assigned to our staff members so that their holdfasts fit right. This is a new thing that I've been making sure to do. You hate holdfasts. I won't but, use my holdfasts. Uh, I, 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 I hate those holdfasts. Yeah, uh, they're the best. But everyone loves them. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's weird. It's like very polarizing because some people on the team would be like, Jared makes me use this whole fast. I hate it. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, I love the whole yeah. fast. And it's like, well, it, the people that have hated them, except for you, uh, like Richie is like a bigger dude. He's swole. Uh, and he's like, I hate those things. I was like, have you adjusted it to make it fit you? <laughs> he was like, no, how do you do that? <laughs> that That's not like, why I hate And it. then I put it on him. He was like, oh, this feels really good. I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I don't like it because I don't like where it puts my back. Yeah, sure. I sure. like I like it here. I don't want it on my back. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh anyways, hold fast, camera strap. It's great. Um we um and and so just organizing Monday morning. Um but that's what it takes. Like and that's taking a per, a person whether it's me or another person. Right now it's me cuz we're getting into this new um uh Normally we have a person that's their job. It's just That's their job. Yeah. Tearing down equipment, getting equipment repaired, packing up the equipment for next week. It's probably minimum three days of work every week. It, yeah, it's a, it's it's a lot, and and the, the checkroom system will make things faster for us. But um, but yeah, you know, and that's just little things. Like I was telling Nick, like Nick um is, is a kid. How old is he? Nineteen, twenty, yeah. maybe. Um, so so we're training him up. We're bringing him up. Uh, up. This is all the part of the studio process, right? Um, we're bringing him on and giving him a lot of responsibility. Like, hey, you're going to be equipment managing. You're going to be managing this equipment. This is really important. Like little things. Like um, I, I was showing him one thing and I was like, look, if if there's a little, um, we have a little Manfrotto uh, air cushion stance, right? Nine foots and seven foots. 
And uh, you know, if you unscrew the top, I don't know what you call them. They're like spigot. Is it is it a spigot? Is that well, what it if is? It's two sided. It's spigot. No, 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 no. The one sided one. So the ones that just screw the reducer. The reducer, the eighth inch that go on the the quarter inch. I was like, if you don't have an eighth inch on here, and someone is like ahead of time planning on going to a church and they're like, oh, I'm going to raise up my microphone in front of a speaker because the church yeah, is going to Yeah, and then the quarter to... 20 adapter is not on it. And then the quarter is not is on there and you can't, like, it screws up your whole game plan and then what happens if we don't get audio? That's good. Maybe it's super echoey because we plan for one thing. It should have been there. It's just like that little thing that costs you $2 could cost you $1,000 because a couple could be like, why is our audio sound like shit? Yeah. Like, and you're like, uh, so it's just like a little thing. So it's like important getting all this figured out. And like, those are the little things that are actually like super hard when you have a studio. When it's just you, you're like, oh, I have this thing. You know everything about your equipment. When you have eight kits next door, you know, and, and like little things happen, like the shooters aren't going to tell us what happens. We have to review every piece of gear. Make sure all the batteries, like triple A's, double A's, that we're n we're not low on anything. Everything is stocked um, every single week. So well, like literally, said, if hours, we're not doing this, if we're not doing this on a Monday, yep. Like last week, actually, this will make. If you're listening to this, I want to do a filmmaker brag. I shot an entire wedding on ten percent gimbal last week. <laughs> yes, I got a gimbal. It was broken. Didn't really realize it. Because yep. I charged it overnight, and then I look, and then nothing had charged. So I kept plugging it in. And pl I'm plugging it in in my car, in my car. Yep. It wouldn't charge. And so I really start looking, and I realized that the U the USB input snapped. Yep. And it's just wiggling, and it won't charge. So I literally just pulled it out on, like, throughout the day on my, like, 12 gimbal shots I really wanted. Yeah. And I don't think you'll notice it in the film. Yeah. Like I shot them walking. I shot the cake. I right. shot the room. I did all the things. But I shot on 10% gimbal. Right. But then I go, do I need to buy a gimbal? Yeah. Because it's not just a matter of like, oh, we can get that fixed. It's like, yeah, yeah. well, I need it next weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the type of things that is, a I would say, particular to a studio like ours is mm -hmm. like if any piece of gear, the week before I, we had a 7200 break. <laughs> yeah. Like if any piece of gear gets broken, yeah, you are counting on that for the next weekend to yep. do your coverage, and so like you have to be so organized. Yep, yep. And we we are pretty organized. I, I have a, a a fifty to one forty lens that we sent to Fuji to get repaired, and I'm calling them every single day. Hey, is that our camera? When did you send this out? What's the status of it? Is it going to be here on time? Like I need it on Friday. Is it going to be here on time? Calling them every single day. Because if not, then I have to run to the rental store. We're very lucky. Actually, two of the biggest uh, camera rental houses are, are within an hour of our studio in Massachusetts. Yeah. Borrow lenses, Borrow and, lenses Lens and Lens Protego are both based like within an hour of our studio. So we just run over to them. We wave to them. And, and we have Rule. In person. And Rule if you need to. Um, they're kind of more up end or high end than uh, you know real production, I would say. But anyways, that's our, our system. Um, and then, you know, probably like Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when we're starting to repack all the gear um, and, and just get everything in place. We haven't even talked about editing. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, there's that too. Yeah. Uh, like, like we do all the editing in-house. We did just – so I consider this in-house because she's an employee. We did just hire someone in the Philippines full-time mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, to help with um, some, our merriment edits. Yeah. Um, which is our high access product 
volume, people would call it. Like, we want to design that in a more volume, like, even more scale. Merriment is a scalable We want it to be a way even more scalable than Stop Go Love. Yep. So that's our goal with that. And you really need to bring costs down. Yep. And the way to do that is overseas people. But she comes to our meetings. Yep. Um, she's on the team. She's in the Slack channel. Like, we treat her like an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, hold her to the same standard. Yep. All that stuff. But we have, I think right now, 11 stations if you include the laptops mm-hmm. um three mac studios one mac pro the big tower probably one mac mini and then probably four or five imacs mm-hmm. maybe six can't remember um we have people usually there's four to five people working in a given day um, yeah. And that's the other thing, like managing those projects. We have a sauna. And so we have a Monday morning editing meeting at 10 a.m. Every Monday we go through the sprint, which is we have one week sprints. Every week we're restocking the board yep. saying in a sauna, like here's all the things we're working on. And everyone is expected to complete every task that they put on the board, yep. um, <clears throat> whether it be um, we have a lead editor who's kind of supervising the team inside, but, and then we have a range of employees and then, you know, contractors who are learning junior editors who are coming in and helping with ingesting multicam edits, um, culling things like that. And so that's just happening all week. And so it never stops. Like in order to keep the velocity going, yeah. you, you're, you gotta just keep going, keep going, yeah. but it's much more like a nine to five job. Yeah. It's a nine to five job. I, I would say, Something that is unique about a studio is is even though it's a nine to five job, uh, we're still working seven days a week. Oh yes, like like well, and, and as owners, maybe we don't have that. Well, as owners and shooters, like we're shooting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have our teams going out, but then Monday through Friday, like we're we're working. The ball is being pushed forward every single day, every single day of the year. Like we're pushing the ball forward, um, which is different. And and you know sometimes if you get in a rut personally you have the other team to like kind of pick you up. It's like stuff is still happening. Even if you're like, I'm in a creative rut. I can't, I haven't like, I think some people probably looked at the end of their week and they're like, I didn't get anything done all week. Mm -hmm. Like it was all consultations and that therefore I didn't get any editing work. We didn't even mention that we have Catherine. Yeah. Catherine, our office admin, she is the best. She runs your schedule. (laughs) for Jared. Yeah. Um, Does helps us with, you know, client I have, communication. I have days I don't even have to look at my email anymore, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. Yeah, it's so freeing. Like, and and like one of the main reasons, like we, I love the studio thing, is it really does give you your life back while allowing you to focus on the things that you want to focus on. And and when you have a team member who's like Catherine, who's just like, I don't like she knew one of the reasons why we brought her on is because. She knew photography and knew kind of this world. She had been involved um, in this world. She wanted to kind of do some photo. Now she's like, I don't want to do any photo. I just love doing this. And like, you know, it allows her to family plan and do some things that are important to her personally um, and, and, you know, live the life that she wants to live. She's like, "I, I know about this stuff, but it's like, I love my job. And I'm like, good, because I do not <laughs> love that part of the job. Like, I want to talk to people. I want to do creative stuff. I want to organize. I want to, you know, do wedding film school and, uh, you know, just do more of the things that we want to do, which I think, um, you know, a studio allows you to do. Just have a little bit more freedom. Yeah. So a couple other things about our given week. Um, 
you know, the other thing, this is not having to do with work, but just, it is work, I guess. But like, we're in the office together almost every day, these people and like everything from like, Hey, did you see this funny thing? And like creating office jokes and, Oh, we're going to have pizza on Friday. And like just all the things that come rating with, the hottest grooms of the year. Award. Yes, we do that. <laughs> we at one point had a wall. Yeah. Uh, which I, man, we should have, we forgot about that. Yeah, we haven't started that this year. Yeah. The hot, we want to make a calendar called the Hot Grooms of Stop Go Love. <laughs> and then yes. I think I think it'd be a, a, an hysterical gift to give brides when they sign with us. Yeah. It's send them the hot grooms. Be like, hey, your husband won hottest groom of the year. <laughs> send them a the calendar. Races. It'd be so funny. That'd be wicked funny. But um, somehow I'm sure that's offensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> But we also have a calendar for the the best personalities too. So yeah. the mo- the most it intersectional, yeah. Yeah. The most intersectional gr- groom of the year. Yes, yes. Um, but um, you know, I think culture is a big thing that you get. Even something like you were talking about codex, like what should we shoot on, and mm-hmm. you know that like we talked about. We shot on three different color profiles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on purpose. Like, hey, I'm going to try this. Let's see how this looks. Like, we get – because we have a big sample size, we can do a lot of different things. And also because you have people to bounce things off. Like, hey, well, do you like that? Do you, are you into that? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I felt whatever about it. but And, like, they'll be like, oh, I like it. Or, no, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, w- decisions can be made actually a lot faster with other people than by yourself. Mm-hmm. And we get to see that. That's like a week-to-week thing is we're making decisions, we're evaluating. And I think in all of this, we're talking about the booking agency thing versus like a yeah. studio. We are never, ever taking our hands off the product. Right. And I feel like like whether it be just like <clears throat> I can go and focus on the thing I want to focus on with the product, like the color. I can look at the color on five, six films of, in different lighting conditions and start evaluating you know, skin tones and exposure decisions. And like, I can just focus on one part of the product that I want to make better instead of always having to look at everything and like, okay, how did I do on this wedding? Mm -hmm. Then how did I do on this wedding? And then how did I do in this wedding? I feel like you can get stuck in the moment. You can be a prisoner of the moment when you don't have a lot of things, but when you're kind of like aloof, like I I've, I've looked at 25 different weddings in the last three weeks for our brand and walked away with some conclusions on shooting and some conclusions on exposure decisions and all kinds of things that I could have never done if I just took a wedding one at a time and right. started working on right. it. Right. Caleb is is just in there trying to crank out the weddings. He has his deadlines and is like, you know, doing a really great job, I might add. Um, but but when you, you just have like a brief exposure to 25 different weddings, you're able to be like, these are a little bit different here and there. We need to tighten up. Like he's not going to have that input that you would have. No. Yeah. No. And so it's just an interest. That's a unique benefit. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, too, it's like I'm still working on the product. Yep. I'm still touching it. Yep. I'm looking at it just like you are. Where, you know, you're. We're having to face the clients when we send it to them. And hear that if they liked it yep. or didn't like it, like, yep. like I, th- I think, I think like if you want to keep quality, you can't just ever outsource. Your, everything about right. what you're doing and you need an opinion like mm-hmm. uh, the thing about these booking agencies is like they're not going to have an opinion they're going to be like looks good to me 
Send it out. Well, like, it's better than I could do. Send it out. I think like, this is a big distinction yeah. for us is like, I kind of care what the client thinks, but I care much more what I think. Sure. And I think that's all artists, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's like, I heard a cook on like a Iron Chef the other day. He was like the new season, which is super weird, by the way. Mm. <laughs> like the original was it. like hokey. Is Gordon Ramsay on it? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, um, Alton so Brown is. Alton Brown? Gordon Ramsay was never on. Iron Go- Chef? You're thinking Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, no. Kitchen Nightmare what's, what's, was the one that he was on. He was on uh, like an Iron Chef. It was an Iron Chef, though. It was a different one. It was Hell's um, Kitchen. No, Top Chef. No, Gordon Ramsay was on Hell's Kitchen. He was on Hell's Kitchen, and he was on some other one. Which was the with better the three one. different ones. Yeah. No, Iron Chef is the, the OG, man. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's the best one. Yeah. But it was like the two best chefs. It's like a totally different type of show. Okay. So, but I was watching it, and this chef is facing, and he's this like big, big time chef, and he's like, I don't cook for anyone else. I cook for my taste. Mm-hmm. He's like, if, uh, if I like it, that's all that matters to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, and I have good taste. Yeah. You know, and like, I feel like that's a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what it means to be an artist is like, I, you know, I want people to like it, but more than anything, I need to like it. Mm-hmm. Like, in order to stand behind what I'm sending out. And I think that is really, if you're an artist, most of us in reality, that's how we operate. Like, yeah. do I like it? Do I think it's not, is it my favorite thing in the world? But like, do I stand behind it? Am I embarrassed by it? Mm-hmm. Does it make me feel like, am I proud of it? Sure. Sure. And I think... I think there are multiple ways to be proud of something, though. Sure. But I don't think... We are still doing that, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. We still are, like, considering, do we like it? Right. Like, when we watch a film, we're like, did I like that? Right. Not I, so much, like, will the client like it? Because the booking yeah. agencies, pretty much, if long as the client doesn't comp- complain, yep. they're happy if all their films look totally different, yeah. they aren't cool at all. I think you're right. Sometimes I'll watch our films and I'll get emotional watching them. I'm like, that is so good. Like, I love these people. Like, I, I feel really good about them. Like, I'm really happy we're able to, like, be a part of this. And I still, like, authentically feel that way um, about some of our films. Or not, just not like, all of our films. But but the certain ones I really lean into, I'm like, man, I feel so good that we were able to be a part of that. And it's rewarding. I was watching a film the other day that something happened the day of with some lights. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this film sucks. Mm-hmm. I hate this film now. Yeah. I was like, this is not covered correctly. Why do we cover it like this? Yeah. It looks bad. And I'm annoyed. Yeah. Like, the couple is not going to complain. So if you're basing it solely on the couple, you will let a lot of things slip. That film turned out being pretty good, right? Nah, not in my opinion. Really? <laughs> but 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 the couple is going to be fine with it. Yeah. So, yeah. like, on one hand, I know, like, we did our job. Mm-hmm. And... But on another hand, not good enough. Mm-hmm. Don't have, let it happen again. Yeah. And I don't care if every couple in the world lets me get away with it. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm doing. Why I'm doing Like, we're not going to do that. Yep. Because it's not, I don't like it. Yeah. It looks bad to me and I'm sure. the boss. Sure. <laughs> and it's like, that's what I mean is like, you still need to be an artist. Mm-hmm. You still have to have an opinion, like you said before, about what you're creating as a studio. And as a brand, you have to have a concept that you're going for. Like mm-hmm. we, and, and I feel like that is a big distinction. Sure. And, and and we're much more, I think, like solopreneur, artist, boutique kind of, you know, creators than I think people realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I would say um, it's hard. Um, it is hard getting to that point. There's a lot of things that you have to deal with when, 
as opposed to just when you're a solopreneur, you know, kind of doing everything and everything's just in your head. I would say the main thing um, that differentiates us from that person is just we have to have another layer of communication. Like mm. there's this web of communication that we have to have. And, and you know, unfortunately, um, understanding that you have to have that layers of communication comes from failing at communicating mm -hmm. a million times beforehand. Yeah. And it's just learning from experience. And a lot of people don't want to deal with that. They see it as like, you know, uh, how many times have you had uh, or seen a photographer or a filmmaker be like, I had the second shooter one time. I hated them. They didn't focus right. <laughs> Our buddy Rich Ferry yeah. would like had one guy had second shoot with him. He was like, he doesn't know how to focus. He couldn't roll focus from a bride focus walking pull, down the aisle. Bride walking down the aisle. Cut. He was done like forever. Focus. And it's like, for me, I'm like, yeah, that sucks. But um, I just cut to my camera <laughs> because mine was good. <laughs> yeah. And then I told him, hey, get better at this area next time. No big deal uh, because I was able to use my shot. Thank goodness I'm good. Um, but and then the next time he works on it, he gets a little bit better. And then the next time he gets a little bit better. And then after 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 weddings, he's pretty good. Like you, you're just, it, it's, it's that extra um, step of just communicating with that person of like, hey, man, um, I saw your work. It was good. You can do better. Like, let's go. Do you think um, people, I think there's a lot of reasons people don't have even like, mini studios like mm. i mean like yeah but i think one of the biggest ones is probably they're just control freaks and they don't trust anyone yep so what would you say to people who are like looking and saying no one could do what i do no one could do it like i do it no one i don't trust anyone to do it uh well i first of all it's not true because there are people that unless you're the very best person in the world, which uh, which is statistics are against you for that. Probably you're only the best person in the world too for like a month, and then you s decrease in quality, yeah. or someone else surpasses you. And also, what does that even mean? Who but cares? that's a different discussion. But also, uh, there are a million people that are really good wedding filmmakers out there. Well, maybe not a million, but there's a lot of really great wedding filmmakers. And there's well, there's and a they, lot of potential in a lot of people. And they all started somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so to say that. Um, is uh, I think discounting people in general, um, and um, yeah, so I, I would say you you only can try, you know, and and at first, yeah, you're the only person who's going to be able to produce what you produce, but give it time. And, uh, and I I and always think the funny thing about it is is like there's a criticism of other people like within there of like, but not a criticism of yourself mm -hmm. of being a crappy leader. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like. Okay, well, you're like, yeah, those people aren't as good as the shooters, but like, you suck at, you're a bad teacher. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, everyone could get better here. Good, good leadership allows you to have a higher ceiling, mm -hmm. right? And that, and that's kind of like fundamentally what we're talking about, and the reason why we took the direction of of having a studio is because we were like, I think we're willing to take on this challenge, um, and because I do think it's rewarding, um, and I think it's fun. And I think it allows us to just be able to do something like wedding film school, like be able to do something like uh, we were talking the other day. We we're like, should we start a lighting company? Yeah, we should. No, we shouldn't. Maybe. I don't know. How would we? Like <laughs> we can have even these conversations about like, should we invest a bunch of money in this new thing? Um, that's fun to me. Like, oh, I, I, and, and, and I love my little vibe board. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it allows us to be challenged. And, and I think that's something that um, a lot of creatives um, struggle with I uh, don't... for a while because they're like, nothing's challenging me anymore. Therefore, I'm not interested. Therefore, I want to move on to commercial work. Or I'm burnt out on weddings because they're not interesting to me anymore. It's like, yeah. I don't believe most people when they say they're burnt out. I think they might just be bored. They're just bored. Right. Most people are bored. Yeah. And and some of that is, you know, suck it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a job. Yeah. Like what you It's a very childish notion that yeah. everything should be exciting. Well, and and I think what what's the alternative to like people people being bored in the wedding industry creating wedding films it's like i need to create a better wedding film or like and, and how do i do that or i have to like, work with couples that inspire me it's like well when you are always doing that like most of the time you're just banging your head against the wall because it's like oh i didn't get the right couple this time and now i have to wait into a whole nother year till i can get the next best couple and it's like a lot of the things are just out of your control i shot i think i've done seven weddings so far this year jared okay one of them i liked Sure. Not because the people, the people, a lot of the people were wonderful. One of them I would consider to be like that type of wedding that I was like, yes, yeah. all the pieces Fulfilling. came together. Yeah, it was fun. I felt yeah. like I got everything I wanted. The couple had a certain look. Yep, I can market it. Yep, I can use it to teach. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, the rest were just for various reasons not perfect, not yep. exactly what I would want, and. The couple is going to love them. We're going to make really quality films. There's nothing that I would ever, like, I wouldn't want them to think that I think, oh, your, your wedding is less than or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But definitely it would be the type of thing where it's like, oh, I always hear people say, like, I'm just tired of weddings that are like these ballroom weddings or mm-hmm. like b- barn weddings. And then they're like, I'm like, where do you live? Well, I live in uh, Oklahoma. What do you have a lot of? Oh, we just have all these barn weddings. That sounds like it'd be easy to book all those. Yeah. You should do that. <laughs> like you should book a lot of these weddings. And it's like there's a little truth to it that you gotta like show what you want to grow and definitely you might be locking yourself into a certain price point by I get all that stuff. But there's also a truth that's like you gotta make a living. Mm-hmm. And so I think like a studio allows you to not have to calculate a lot of those decisions as much. Mm-hmm. We don't we have maybe one or two locations that we look at and go, we don't want to shoot these. Mm -hmm. But when you have a studio like ours, you can be like, oh, we're shooting like 10 weddings this weekend. Seven of them are just money in the bank. And three of them could be really special. Yep. And it's like, I think that's an awesome benefit of having a studio Mm -hmm. is we can much more curate our brand Mm -hmm. and how we want to be perceived because we have so many opportunities to just show what we want to grow versus like you have 20 weddings. If you have 20 weddings and like in my ratio, like I shot seven Mm -hmm. and only one of them is something I'd want to show. Yeah. If that happened three times throughout the year, I'd only have three weddings to release. If I did 21 weddings, that would might be devastating. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I think that's great. That's a great benefit. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so t- we've talked about like what makes a wedding studio create a quality product. You know, we've talked a little bit about like just kind of how hard. we do it at least. Yeah. Like putting your nose to the grindstone and just like doing it. Um, we've talked a little bit about um, 
yeah, just being true to your values and like being like, no, this is what I want to produce, regardless of if a couple's okay with it. Um, what are some other things that you think really goes into creating quality uh, while you're also producing uh, quantity? I mean, I think a just consistency with your systems is most important. Yep. Um, accessibility of your systems, like everything has to be down to the level of the person who is going to be doing the work. Mm -hmm. So if they don't know the next step, like they have to feel released to start and finish the job. Right. So our culling process, for instance, is like we train people with no experience in an NLE mm -hmm. to use it. So we give them like we only teach them like four parts about the platform. We say, mm -hmm. go on here, do this and this and this. And th when they're done, they're like, I did it. I completed my task. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good at culling. Yep. They don't go. I'm good at editing. We, we just make everything down to yep. simple, repeatable steps that anyone can succeed at. And I, we, we talk about it a lot. Easy wins. Give people wins. So I think that's a big one. Um, I think um, inspect what you expect. It's just like you have to – there's a thing in um, production um, of products. They call it like in, in app development and a lot of different things called thin slicing, mm -hmm. which is like poke in randomly, grab a thin slice of every little part of your process and evaluate it. Like Merriman Films, I want to outsource – not outsource, but I want it produced – um, by our Filipino team, but I am never going to let them edit all the films. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure there's a percentage of our films that are always edited by our A team yep. because I want to keep my head in the product, make sure we have a vision for the product at all times. Um, I also want us looking at their work. Yep. So I think it's like inspecting what you're doing. You can't have them create the template. No, and you can't just not, you can't take your eye off the ball. Yep. Like you got to keep looking. Um, and really, really, um, actually give a crap mm -hmm. about how it turns out. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, like we talk about a lot of filmmakers that are really good and we talk about them because that's how we measure ourselves. And I feel like you need to, if you're gonna do something that is scalable, that is kind of can maybe veer towards like d impersonal maybe less quality like you have to have an idea of what you're up against and like what does the market expect mm -hmm. and like when people say like oh i don't watch anyone else's work like it's like a, the weirdest brag by the way jared it's like oh wow you're awesome you're a self-made man so cool can't every time i watch that person's work i'm like you should probably watch some more people's work <laughs> Because your work actually is derivative and boring and you don't even know it. Yeah. We watch a lot of other people's work because we want our work to stand up. We know, like, I, I'm not competing in my mind with George Street. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is, we talk about him a lot in the show. We talked about him before. He actually sent me a, a, a little picture of, like, us talking about him. Um, Lindsay Conklin. <laughs> but, like, Lindsay is in our market. Mm -hmm. And people choose us or Larev. They're not choosing us or George Street. Mm -hmm. And so that's partially because we're watching Larev and we're like, we can't, we have to compete. We have to compete on the market with other people. If we want to be considered to be a certain quality and you charge a certain price, you better make sure that the people who are charging more or similar to you are not producing something 
way better than you. Yeah, I I, I did it today. We have a, a local competitor. I was like, that we lost out to, and I was like, why? Why would I lose out to them? Like last I checked, like we were our work was to me. <laughs> our work is a lot better than them. And I watched their films. I was like, yeah, we're we're still a lot better than them. And how much are they charging? They're charging more than us. We're definitely raking up way more work than they are. And like I was like. I actually emailed the planner. I was like, hey, tell me a little bit more about this because the decision obviously isn't the work. The decision is always obviously somewhere else along the way. So are they like actually cheaper than that? Like what, what's the deal? I needed to find out. But what do they say? They haven't responded. Ah. It was literally today, okay. like this morning. I sent That's that fascinating. And again, I already established that I don't look at my emails every day. So yeah. Yeah. But the point is only to say like we keep our quality by, yes. by measuring ourselves against our competitors yeah yeah and being a very very like a identifying who these people are like yep. he, like Lindsay's not really our competitor he's national brand and yep. all these things but you know in newport he's my competitor sure he books weddings in the exact same venues we do on the cape they're our competitor mm-hmm. like this weekend uh joey from 31 films is messaging me he's in martha's vineyard so now i'm looking at 31 films i want to look at what planner was he working with this weekend, that's my neck of the woods. Why do they pick him and not us? Yep. Given, there are plenty of times where I'm like, nope, like, not gonna, like, I am not gonna do what Lindsay was willing to do there. I'm, I'm not gonna do what they were willing to do. There's no way I could have ever booked that wedding. It's fine. It's all good. We have different goals. Mm-hmm. Then there are other times where I'm like, man, if I was willing to tweak a little bit this or maybe our look, maybe they just love the light and airy editorial look of the ref. Mm-hmm. Is that something we should consider mm-hmm. if that's what our clients are looking at yep. and they're picking other people instead of me? Like you have to really, really, really give a crap about winning every sale. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to every person to reach out to me minus problems people, which is not that many. I want to book them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We do. <clears throat> and so I think like that is a big thing with quality. I, I think, um, one of the things that I, I think about is just like the culture of of what we have here. Like um, Caleb, Travis, they'll come up to me often and be like, "This is something that I I see, and I think it's going against our overall vision." Mm-hmm. And like, I know that's a big part of why we're able to do what we do is because it's not just Jared's vision; it's not just Jason's vision. Like, our people give a crap like they they care like it's not just me and i think a lot of people will be like well it's hard to get people to care when it's not yours right and i would almost like disagree or and, and not even disagree because yeah like i'm an owner of the company but we all own the product right we all own what we're putting out and what the pride that we put into the work and i think i i, I should ask you just how do you think we've been able to share the overall vision of the company with our employees, staff, like contractors, like what are some of the fundamentals that we've done to kind of share that with our team? I think a, just a culture of honesty, candor, like you can say, does that mean that you just uh, rail on all of our employees and like, (laughs) no, everyone is, we, everyone is, (laughs) should be themselves and should feel okay to talk the way they want to talk. There are some things that we wouldn't tolerate, but we just wouldn't hire that person. Mm -hmm. But in general, it's like everyone is like, if they come and give feedback, it's, they know it's welcomed. Yeah. They don't think like I'm going to get 
no, there's no egos around yeah. like, well, I really like that color profile, mm-hmm. you know, like any of that. Yeah. And if there is, it's just like, well, I like it. Here, bring in Travis. See what he says. Yeah. And be like, Travis, what do you think of this? Uh, I don't like it. Okay. Yes. Like everyone, right. I think, feels like their voice matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I think we we do that in our pay structures. We do that in our bonus structures. We do that in our retirement plans. Mm-hmm. We do that. We do a retreat every year. And this retreat is very expensive. Yeah. And it's a big investment. And we go somewhere nice on purpose because I'm not just trying to – it's not about me. It's I want you to know this was expensive mm-hmm. like so that you feel the value yeah. of it. Like we, we do a lot to invest in our people relationally. Um, and, of course, like when you've trained up someone from a child, creatively speaking, mm-hmm. like they, they go from knowing nothing to knowing something or knowing a lot or almost being an expert – they're going to feel like that's my mentor, you know? And so like we take leadership, mentorship, you know, I think the big thing is like anyone who you want, if you want to build a culture, you have to serve people. Mm -hmm. Like we make, we try to make everything as easy as possible for people and add value Mm -hmm. to them. And we're very focused on adding value to them. Yep. Like we're not just focused. These people are not doing me a favor Mm -hmm. by working for me. I feel like they're doing, or, I mean, I'm not doing them a favor by hiring them. I feel like in some ways people are serving me by working for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I feel indebted to them. Yeah. And I feel like if you think the people who are working for you or helping you, I got a guy, I don't even know this guy, but he's coming to help us in Aspen. Mm-hmm. And I want him to know I appreciate him. Mm-hmm. You're coming and driving four hours to work with me. I'm, I'm going to give you money. But that's not appreciate. Like, that's a given. Mm-hmm. How I treat him is how I show him how I appreciate him. Yeah. And I, it's not about the money because yep. anyone can pay someone. Yep. But I, I do feel like um, – and I also think this is a big – this is where I think a lot of people lose steam. We give a lot of correction. Mm. We do. Many people do not give anyone correction. Mm-hmm. I remember telling somebody, somebody – or somebody was telling me one time about like reviews and being a boss. And they were saying, no one should get a review and be surprised by a single thing in the review. Mm-hmm. If they are, you are not a good boss. Yeah. Because that person should be getting feedback as they do their job. Right. And that's how they know you care. And that's how you know you're, that you've actually looked at their work or considered them beyond just did they show up and yeah. get me paid. Yep. It's like when we talk about one of our guys, we are talking about their gimbal usage. So I said, I'm going to keep every time he does a wedding let me see it i want to see if they're doing our way of using a gimbal but also i want to talk to them yeah some point and say what's going on here yeah is this a problem do you need help training do you yep. need more training more what's the deal this is why this is important to us that person will no matter what they'll walk away knowing i actually look at their work mm-hmm. which is a little bit of accountability but in my opinion also like kind of a, not a compliment but it's mm-hmm. like it make you feel cared for yeah and I care about them being the best shooter they can possibly be. Yep. And I don't want them to slack off because it's not good for them. I, I, I love this about our company is like that will happen, right? You bring it up. Um, maybe you talk to them about it. Yeah, not always. Uh, I talked to them about that specific thing. Uh, I think Caleb talked to them about that specific thing. Um, and we're, like it just helps the overall company culture. 
of like, we're all getting different inputs, different perspectives. And, and that lets that one person know like, hey, this is something we're thinking about. This is something that's important. And everyone's on the same page and no one is being like, why are you doing it this way? It's, hey, uh, what, what's the deal with this? What will happen on this case? And, and they know just in the future, like, we're trying to avoid this <laughs> as much as possible. Like, please, like, do what you can to use your gimbal as much as possible in these certain areas because that's part of the product. Um, so they know that it matters. They know that it matters not just to me as a business owner, but also to the people editing it because they share a part in this communal kind of effort to create a really great wedding film. Um, and I, I think it's just, it does feel really good once things start catching on and I don't have to be the one standing on a soapbox with the team. It's like everyone is just insulating like the product at the end of the day and, and over the overall experience for the bride and groom, like, um, uh, that, that hired us. So, um, yeah, it, it's a good, it's a really good feeling. It's yes. Really good and, feeling. and ultimately like what we're doing, I think is translatable no matter what your business is and that like intentionality, whatever you intention to have, if you, you're going to have to be disciplined and you're also going to be saying no to some other things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to know is like, there's no business model that is going to allow you to do everything every business model does. Yep. You know? Yeah. And having to give that up is, is first of all, you have to know your product really well. Yes. Like, and, and so for a lot of people that might be hard, maybe that's just where well, you're just discovering it, it right now. Right. And that's right. okay. Yeah. Um, but it's important to actually know, like, this is my identity. Cause then you can actually say, no, I don't do that. I had someone the other day who like, generally our films are five to six minutes long for stop, go love. We do one that's a little bit longer, maybe 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, but then we do six to 10 hours of coverage anywhere in between there. Um, our teasers are one minute max and they wanted to go they wanted a two minute teaser they wanted a 10 minute video they wanted uh seven hours of coverage and they only wanted to pay for seven hours of coverage and i was just like so they wanted less coverage and more video less coverage uh, more video but i was just like flat out no <laughs> that's all we just we didn't send an email that just said no but we were like unfortunately we don't do those things here what's what we do take it or leave it take it or leave it <laughs> like if you don't book us we will book that day like no skin off my back. Uh, but I'm just telling you, if you want the most out of us, you'll let us do what we do. Like, I'm, I'm not going to. And it's just the amount of videographers that will be like, I need the work. I'm just going to book whatever it takes and do whatever it takes. Like, it wouldn't work in our system. We would do a bad job for that person if I and, and it's not being a jerk. Like, um, I had one couple that was upset with me when I uh, told them that, like, pretty much like this isn't even really worth it to me like because it doesn't fit within our system and it's not being arrogant or anything it's just like we're not we're literally not the right fit for you we're not that guy like usually people will use that in terms of like i don't like you therefore we're not a good fit for you it's like literally we're not a good fit for you we literally we will, don't do that yes we can't do it and if we said we would do it it would it would cause like this conversation I had a, uh, for me like someone would come back to me a, a year later and be like hey what did you mean when you talked to this person a year ago and you said we we're going off the you know off the reservoir like to do this certain type of film i'll be like i don't remember like and therefore we're doing a disservice to this couple i had a uh, i was at a wedding last week and a couple or not even a couple like it was one of these weird weddings where they had a certain like family culture mm -hmm that just was different and and for some reason 
These people wanted interviews, so many interviews. I, I actually, sometimes if people like, let me say something to the bride and group, I'll tape it just because sure. hopefully the album has like wave or something at the end. So yeah. maybe we can actually salvage something yeah. out of it. But like, I'm not going to put anything they said in the video. Yeah. And finally, somebody, I'm sitting outside on a break, just, you know, waiting to eat. And this lady comes and sit next to me and she's like, you guys, you really should be doing, when can I do interviews? I'll find you. And I said, I'm not going to do that with you. Yeah. She's like, why? And I was like, we just don't. She's like, what if your couple wants it? You should give your couples what they want. <laughs> and I was like, well, we do. Yeah. Like we just that's tell why them. they hire us. Yeah, I said like they we just tell that like if that's what they wanted, we would tell them that not to hire us. Yeah. Like and I was just straight up with her, like, we're yeah. not a good we just tell them we're not a good fit. Yeah. That's just not what we do. Yeah. And like a lot of people think like, oh, studios, they can't do all the creative stuff that I do. Yeah. I can do everything. You know, because I can just say yes and I can do one offs. And it's like that's just a function of how few weddings you do, is my guess. Mm. If Anyone who starts doing a, anything over 20 weddings is going to realize they can't do everything and they're going to start losing. They're not going to be able to make every couple happy. Their brand is not going to speak to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like by nature, you have to make decisions that exclude people. Mm -hmm. You know, who is your ideal client? Who can work with you? Who can shoot with you? Who can edit for you? Who, all these things happen when you make brand decisions and creative decisions about what you do. And I think... Even even a solopreneur is making those choices, and of, of course a studio is. So I would just say to you, like, no matter what you're choosing, you are choosing to say no. And so I don't I, – I always push back on, like, you have so much more freedom, quote, unquote, when you're doing it by yourself. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't book eight weddings in a day. You know, you can't afford to shoot three different color profiles in one weekend and mm -hmm. see which one you like best. Mm -hmm. You can't afford to say no to people you just don't want to work with when you like, there's a lot you can't do, Yeah. you know, and also you can't do everything you ever want to do creatively. You're just, no one can do that. Yeah. Everyone is like going to have to, once they're on the wedding day, just do things the way that they do them. And so I guess my question, like the last thing I'd say about all this is like, don't think that by having multiple people work for, for you that it's going to allow you to do everything because it won't. You end up in the same place as before, which is like you're having to make choices. And don't think it's going to like be so much more freeing to not have a studio. I, I, I don't think they're way different than each other except for you know what you can make. But I think at the end of the day, from a process standpoint, you're still having to make a lot of the same decisions creatively and logistically and organizationally. Mm -hmm. It's just like to what scale? Yeah. You know, and and they'll be a little different, maybe. Like, like you, know, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna. We don't mess around with certain types of coverage. We don't mess around with certain types of edits, like like you had described. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna say yes to a lot more weddings than someone else might say, and so we're all making compromises. Yep, yep, yep. Well, guys, hopefully. Um this has been an interesting conversation. I think it's a, definitely a different conversation. I doubt there's any conversations on the internet about uh, having a wedding film studio uh, and and kind of what it takes, what goes This into is that. the most unique podcast ever <laughs> yeah. made. That's uh, what we're saying. But, you know, I don't think we've really done a deep dive into like what it takes to do um, kind of what we do. Obviously, um, you know, this is just one perspective. You have to pay for that, Jared. If you want to have the deep dive, you have to pay for a $2,000 coaching. 
Is it two thousand dollars? No, out no. Well, I, I could just if you want me to have a deep dive about <laughs> this podcast specifically, you have to email and yeah. I will charge you two grand. Well, one of the things that we do at Wedding Film School is coaching with Jason. Um, so if you wanted to uh, check into that, uh, that's something you could do on the Wedding Film. I would love School. to help someone get a studio set up. Sure. Oh, that'll make my dreams come true. Do it. Somebody. Someone make my dreams uh, come true. Weddingfilm.school. Uh, check out the website. Uh, you can reserve there. You can also submit um, your wedding films uh, on uh, weddingfilm.school uh, to be able to review it on WFS Live happening every Thursday, 1 o'clock. We doing that? Yeah, we're doing that. Okay, uh, 1 o'clock, and uh, that's where you can also join us live. It'll be Bobby, or it'll be me, or it'll be me and Bobby, or it'll be Jared, yep. but there's always going to be somebody doing it. Somebody's going to be doing it. Um, and so that's something you want to check into. Facebook, Instagram, all the places you can find Wedding Film School. Uh, check those out. Great community. And uh, yeah, we will see you hopefully in the next couple of weeks here on Wedding Film School.